Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Justin Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. I've already shifted out of the shot. Man. Don't shift <laughs> your shot, What's going shot, on there? Sam. <laughs> <laughs> shot, my fault. Shot shifting Sam, they call him. We've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we got, we're going to discuss some very significant anniversaries that are happening this year. Very, very significant. And we're going to flip through the January 2001 issue of GamePro. We don't look at too many issues of GamePro here, but I'm very excited. It's a good one. Scary Larry. But first, um, okay, well, I thought maybe we'd start with show and tell, but we'll save that for a little bit later in the show. Let's start with... uh, Request. Do call it a comeback. Man, uh, just over a year into the new generation of consoles with the Xbox Series X and S, it seems like... Xbox has completely dug itself out of the hole that it put itself in at the launch of the (laughs) Xbox One last generation. Uh, On the New York Times podcast this week, Phil Spencer says, at this point, we've sold more of this generation of Xboxes, the Series X and S, than we had any previous version of Xboxes. So fastest selling Xbox console of all time. And analyst Daniel Ahmad says this would put... Xbox Series X and S, over 12 million shipped, according to our estimates. In November, 
Sony revealed the PlayStation 5 had sold 13.4 million units. So these consoles are very, very close uh, in, in, in their sales. I, I think the Xbox is only a couple million units behind the PS5. I am a little bit shocked if these numbers are accurate, that, that, that they, Microsoft was able to catch up so quickly. Tina, what do you think? I mean, first off, it's incredible that they're making these kind of numbers in a you know generation of consoles with mm-hmm. chip shortages and yeah. people still excitedly trying to buy them. So imagine if we didn't have those kinds of shortages, what those numbers would be. So I'll be really curious to see over the next few years, hopefully, if slash when things normalize, what those look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, on the topic of them versus um, PlayStation numbers, yeah, like PlayStation has been king. Like we've seen it in our audience um, time and time again. Like preferences always seem to head in that direction. I personally started off like very into um, Xbox games and like the original and 360 generation just because mm-hmm. that's where my friends were playing. And then PS4 generation, I jumped over like a lot of people did because that's where my friends were playing. And there was that like slight graphical edge that it had um, over the Xbox one. And so people just like went in droves and it's kind of incredible how this like small detail can, can impact a lot. Obviously exclusives is part of that conversation too. So I think now what's happening for Xbox is like game pass is increasingly like we talk about it all the time on this show and all of our other shows and on the site. Um, But game pass is like doing an incredible job of being really um, resourceful and timely and like di- full of diverse games and just like a really good bang for your buck deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, obviously they've spent a lot of time acquiring other studios and making sure that they're as competitive um, against Sony with their exclusive. So I'm, I'm not entirely surprised. It's, it's really cool to see though. And like in general competition in, in markets is a good thing. It keeps things interesting. Doesn't it? Of course. Of course. I like it. Um, Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, I love, I like the way he put it on our other show, next gen console watch paraphrasing him. Video game consoles and these platforms, they're not like uh, super speedy and agile jet skis. They're like gigantic aircraft carriers. And if they're going in the wrong direction, it takes a very long time to get them turned around. And it seems like Xbox has been doing all the right things for several years now. And that's finally paid off. I think we all felt good about Xbox Series X coming into this generation. I'm just a little bit surprised that right out the gate, there seems to be near parity in sales uh, for both platforms. Sam, how about you? Yeah. Uh, have you heard of the two robots theory? Two robots? Yeah. I no? just made it up. Oh, cool. Uh, it, the, uh, <laughs> my theory is that there's two robots and one is buying all the Xbox and one's buying all the PlayStations. Because human, I know mm. for a fact, I know human for a year of wanting to buy a PlayStation, I'm able to, but all mm. the robots keep getting them. So they must have those, you know, uh, robot warehouses and they're just storing these. That would account for the sales. Mm. However, so you're saying the robots are inclined to buy Xboxes over PlayStations. That's what you're saying. I think there's a bit of a robot war. I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> that the robot that's buying the Xboxes is as successful as the robot that's buying the PS5s, mm. but it really likes Xboxes. Yeah. Um, the robots just want to see new headlines. That's what it is. They're tired of the same old story. <laughs> true. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah. The media, yeah. So, not yet. Oh, God. <laughs> just, just, just the, uh, the, uh, the supply chain. Um, so uh, uh, one thing that, you know, uh, I mean, I think Tina really said all the smart, uh, you know, uh, true stuff about this topic, but I, I would add that I think Xbox had like a killer year. And in hindsight, I wouldn't have said this, you know, a quarter uh, uh, with a quarter remaining of last year. I think it had a year 
that was amazing compared to PlayStation. Like I know PlayStation had cool games last year. It had Returnal, it had Ratchet and Clank, but man, it did not have the nines and tens that rounded out the year that Xbox did. And when you sell a bunch of systems and games, you happen to do it in, you know, November and December Mm -hmm. um, often. And so like, I think those big year end end games of Horizon and Halo made a huge difference along with Game Pass. Mm -hmm. So you have you have eyes on all this commerce stuff. I have a little bit of a different perspective, which is both both consoles are sold out. You, you still can't buy them, right? So mm-hmm. if there's 13 million PS5 sold and 12 million Xboxes sold, all that means is that Sony's been able to make one million more Playstations than Xboxes. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a reflection of demand yet because the demand for neither console is saturated. Mm-hmm. Um but so there could I, be a world in which a demand is, is so much lower for Xbox that you could get them right now. So I think that's surprising in itself, right? It's doing well, but we don't know where it'll stabilize. Like, when, uh, like, do 20 million people really, really want PlayStation 5s right now and only 15 million want Xboxes? Like, yeah, that, that would, that would sure. look super different, right? And everyone would say, oh, like, Xbox is behind. Are they in trouble? But we don't, we don't know that. We don't get to see that because it's hidden behind this, this supply constraint. Um, that's true. I do, I, I do agree with everything that, you, you know, Tina and Sam said, like Xbox had an amazing... Even the two robots theory? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Especially that theory. Can you tweet about it and maybe use like one of those hashtags and then like get it going? Want, I don't want to show... I, like I'm worried. You said that thing about the robots in the media and I like doing games, go, games <laughs> week, so... I'm yeah, we don't want to give the robots any nope. credit. <laughs> um, the, the fans you know, always say they wish we would, you know, make it a daily show. So we're going to have to bring on the robots... <laughs> We're going to make that oh, happen. Yeah. I but frequently... they have to be AI equivalents of like each mm-hmm. of us and, and get our responses accurate. Don't you all get the, the tweets and the responses though that, why did you sound like a robot this week? <laughs> it was my microphone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or it was Slash the robot. My, my, my understudy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, uh, you know, you're both right that Xbox brought the bangers last year. You know, Forza was IGN's game of the year. It was Probably my personal game of the year in reflection. I'm still playing it. You know, Halo, uh, the complaints about Halo are legitimate, but it generally delivered and brought the goods as well. Um, Psychonauts 2 was, you know, a really underrated sort of dark horse candidate for game of the year. Um, And Sam, you're right that like PlayStation also had great games last year, but on balance, um, you know, I I think Xbox takes the year from a a critical perspective, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that stuff, that stuff matters. That adds up over time. And even with like the, you know, post release complaints about Halo, like there were many more when we first saw, I think it was um, an E3 demonstration um, two years ago, Uh, but there were a lot of complaints then and, you know, particularly visually with uh, the presentation that they put on the demo that they had. So it's really cool that they managed to turn it around so much from that standpoint to where, because at that time I was worried like, ooh, is there going to be an audience for Halo or is this going to follow them through into launch? So the fact that they could turn that around. And there was a lot of generally much better than that junction um, than that juncture's uh, sentiment was mm-hmm. was really good to see. And I think was like another moment in time for their story in 2021. Mm-hmm. We do that- see, um, Damon, your prompt question was about like what we're seeing in Commerce Land or Deal Land. Um, <laughs> we do see some signals that Xbox stock is beginning to stabilize. Um, y- you know, it's the silly stuff, but we're talking about. Like PlayStation 5s are still, they come into stock and then they're gone in a second. They just disappear. Mm. And that's not always the case with the Xbox. Like 
Sometimes they're available now for 10 minutes, 15 oh, minutes at a That's time, which, which sounds very silly to say out loud, <laughs> but you will see this drip drip of like that 10 minutes will turn into 20, will turn into 30. And then, oh, look, mm. it was available for a whole afternoon. And, and eventually that will turn into, well, this is just a console you can buy now. And like, mm. they, they seem to be on that pathway where the PlayStation 5 is not yet. Mm. It's still, mm. it still feels the same today as it did 12 months ago. So, um, I don't know if that's good news or bad news for Xbox. Um, the optics of like their console is not as hot and is findable and viable compared to PlayStation. But how many people will just say, well, screw it. I'm going to buy an Xbox instead because I still can't find a PS5. So mm-hmm. there's, well, there's that's a couple a different point. ways to think about it. Yeah. yeah. And think about what PlayStation's year is shaping up to be already, though. It's like Gran Turismo to, to God of War and, and with, you know, Horizon ahead of those, like those are games that people will tr- try in those weeks that those games come out to try to get a PS5 and they'll be like, okay, it's time. Okay, it's time. Like that'll keep on happening. Whereas it's unclear when those beats will be of, of like people really feeling like they need an Xbox mm-hmm. uh, as, aside from like the what already exists in the Game Pass stuff, which which could really, really start pushing people to Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Justin, makes, Justin, you made a really good point about how we're still fairly early in the console's lives and demand is still greatly outstripping supply. Um, right at the launch of last generation, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, they had the same sort of launch day success. They both sold a million consoles in whatever, 24 mm-hmm. hours, 48 hours, and they both like congratulated each other. So like right out the gate, they had that same milestone. And it wasn't until months and years later that Sony you know, pulled so, so far ahead. Mm. So that's a good point to keep in mind. Yeah, so we're gonna have to see like the consistency of like what are the what are the offerings for Game Pass and how many how many more subscribers are they growing there, which kind of incentivizes that too. Um, but it, it also is interesting because like a lot of you know what you can play on an Xbox, you can play on PC. So you know mm-hmm. PC players get a little bit of that benefit too. So the it'll the player base and like the hardware owner base are gonna inherently be different numbers too. Sure. Hey, do you all remember like? Uh, a little bit into the PS3 and Xbox era, the Xbox 360 era, and then into the PS4 era, this happened too. But one year in, there started to be cross-platform games where people were like, oh, this game sucks on this platform and it's really good on this platform. Or or it looks yeah. this much better on this platform and it's significant. Those are stories that I'm not hearing yet for these. And I'm wondering if this year we're going to start hearing like one system has just like much better looking third-party games or something. It's unclear still. Yeah. Oh, mine is very much quick resume. Like, b- given the option, mm-hmm. honestly, between PS5 and Xbox One, like, because I shuffle back and forth between media and games often, like, I just love quick resume. It's so useful. So amazing. Unless you're playing, unless you were playing Halo multiplayer. I oh, think, no, wait. There was something weird about that for a while. Yeah, Halo multiplayer is like that, and Forza is like that, too, actually. And unfortunately, the two big AAA games have trouble with quick resume. <laughs> no. Um you know, so all, most games are la- back backward gen compatible, right? Almost everything. So I think, Sam, the reason we're not seeing those head-to-head comparisons is mm-hmm. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of any any games that are available on PS1, PS5 and Xbox Series X mm-hmm. that are exclusively next-gen only. Mm-hmm. The next-gen exclusive games are also exclusive to one console, at least the ones I can think yeah. of. Yeah. So, so they're held back. Like the PS5 and Xbox Series X can easily body any game that's multi-platform because it's also available for last gen consoles. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had a chance to like really put them head to head in like, you I know, some third party that. Ubisoft yeah. or EA game. Like Oblivion was only on 360 and PS3. And so people were like, by the time it came out for PS3, people were like, Ooh, like this isn't working as well. 
Yeah, even yeah. though these next-gen consoles are both uh, very popular, there's just barely any next-gen-only software for them, and that's not yeah. going to change any in, in, in any time in the near future because we've Sony announced this week that um, they're going to continue manufacturing the PlayStation 4 throughout the end of 2022. And, mm. and so, you know, that's why uh, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok and Gran Turismo 7, they're all, you know, cross-generation games. There was, there's not anything coming soon that's uh, exclusively next-gen only. We were going to get Stalker 2 in April, but now that was delayed to December, all the way to the end of the year. So actually, I think the next one with a date is Forspoken on, the, on PS5. It's also coming to PC. That one's in May. Redfall is supposed to be in the summer, but doesn't have a date. And then there's Starfield in November. Wow. And that's kind of like it for like for exclusively, you know, next-gen only games. That's the third holiday season for these consoles yeah. this mm-hmm. coming November. Wow. Which isn't necessarily, you know, a bad thing. That's the way we've talked about this before. That's the way cell phones work, you know. Uh, it's, hey. just, it's, just, it's just different than the way video game consoles have traditionally worked. I like the um the the tradition of the at the end of a console cycle there's like weird versions of the hardware like even the yeah. Wii got that little red Wii um there's mm-hmm. like you know sometimes I see like a PlayStation <clears throat> four, uh, uh uh 3 in the office and I'm like oh that's just like a tiny PlayStation 3 what is that and I forget that oh, they did like a mini you know and like I really and then the PlayStation 1 actually had a really tiny one by the end mm-hmm. it's a little like like colored one yeah so maybe PlayStation Four like will will go out with a bang with like some cool like sleek little you know uh, PS Pro that's like really tiny that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think you know I'm I'm preferring my Xbox Series X so far. So please don't come at me with any like fanboy talk. I, I do think that console is still probably behind. Um, I mean it's behind in the sense that it's literally behind. It sold a few less consoles, but it's more uh, the PS Five is more expensive on the secondary market. Costs mm-hmm. about six hundred and thirty dollars to buy a PS Five. Costs about five hundred and eighty dollars to buy an Xbox Series X. Oh boy! Um, and I think the general consensus is that the Xbox had the stronger year, but the PS Five is still in higher demand, right? So, mm-hmm. Sam, like you, you're right that like how high is PS Five demand going to spike when God of War and all these games avail- come available, right? Like well, PS Five yeah. is sort of a, it's generated this incredible sort of distortion field of hype without you know without god of war and without uncharted without it you know any of its big yeah heavy that's a good point too and don't forget their rumored game pass competitor just supposed to be you yeah. know revealed this spring if they could get yeah. that right mm-hmm. they got that right man Ooh, yeah i know yeah. that's exciting and so i think like X- xbox had to like fire like execute perfectly on its yeah. vision yeah. just to kind of pull like up to almost even basically yeah, yeah exactly But kudos to them for even managing to pull that off. Okay, we are going to uh, look back for a little bit. We're going to look back to January 2001 uh, to an issue of GamePro. And remember, uh, January 2001, the PlayStation 2 had just been released, Um, although uh, Sony ended up only only shipping half the uh, the units that they expected to, so it was also very very scarce at that time mm. and well I into two thousand one. Mm. And then uh, I think they had promised a million, but they only ended up shipping five hundred thousand units at launch. Mm. And then the wow. Xbox and GameCube were not out yet, so uh, I'm going to pull that up right here. Red, I will share my screen. 
Okay, so that's because at the end of 2001, those came out. Because I always know those are the that's 2001 right. systems. Okay. Yeah. And I can see. everyone see the January 2001 issue of GamePro with Half-Life on the cover? Mm -hmm. I see it. Yes. Yep. Half-Life coming to PS2 and Dreamcast. It was a couple years old on PC at that point. So we begin with an ad for the PlayStation 2 game Fantavision that I don't really <laughs> get. The Fantavision launch title, a fireworks puzzle game. Mm -hmm. But I don't really get it. There's like kind of an old timey scene in front of a house. People look like maybe they're dressed in the 50s or 60s. It says Tuesday 515 package being delivered. And so the, the, a woman's getting a package on her front porch. And then in the yard, the man is setting off gigantic fireworks. But I don't get What does that mean? Package being delivered. Is, is he launching the package? What is does that, that the mean? delivery man? Who's that other man? I don't know. I think he's the one deli making delivering well, that think, package. Yeah, it's like the mailman's delivering the package, and then the husband is, is setting off fireworks in the lawn. I think that's the... But I don't. Yeah. I don't get the joke or the. Reference. I don't. Is it like the get... launch date? Is it one of those kind of jokes? Oh, like package mm. delivered is. Like... Yeah, and they're launching a firework. I don't know. I'm making this up. Tuesday, five fifteen. Package being delivered, and then the husband is launching fireworks. I don't get it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I don't. Is that like rocketry stuff? Like deliver the package. I, I've never heard of this game either. It's a fireworks game. I'll play a fireworks game. It sounds fun. Yeah, I love PS2 fireworks. launch game. Yeah, this it is, wasn't. This is the only thing you had to play on your PS2 for like a year. <laughs> wow. Isn't it, Justin? I actually haven't played it, but isn't it kind of like every extend extra extreme where you have to sort of chain the explosions of fireworks together? Yeah, I mean the games become infamous for like the big, like bad PlayStation Two launched, and then like there was this <laughs> weird, bizarre fireworks game was the only yeah. game people had to play. But it's not. Uh, it's not. It's actually okay. Like outside yeah, of I that think, context. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be a terrible game. No. Uh, some letters. I think it's interesting. The letter from the editor doesn't have a name on it. It's just signed from the Game Pros in San Francisco. Oh. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious, boneless, 10-ounce ribeye steaks. I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick-cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com gamescoop120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Uh, we had a letter here from uh, Orion in Minnesota. It says, My friend and I are having a big argument over what makes an RPG. I say all it takes is to assume the role of a person on a quest. He believes that you must have a turn-based battle sequence. Mm. I showed him your role player's realm reviews of games such as Majora's Mask and Parasite Eve 2, which are not turn-based, but I still can't get him to believe me as masters of video game knowledge. Could you clear this up for us? I just think it's funny. This is uh, you know, 2001, a time before everything had RPG mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't actually agree with either of those definitions of RPG. Yeah. And I it's also gotta, don't, I don't think of Majora's Mask. I don't think of Zelda games yeah. as RPGs. You gotta, you gotta be embodying a, a, a persona that you can put stats on too, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ryan in Richmond, Virginia writes in to say, I think there should be a law against game sequels going higher than four. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Brian in Illinois says, I've always wondered how you get your screenshots for the reviews in the magazine. Do you uh, use whatever the company sends you and then write pro tips to match them? Game Pro says, nope, all pro review screenshots are lovingly handcrafted by trained Game Pro professionals. You know those cool high-res S video cables you can buy for your game console? We plug one of those into a high-quality video capture card in a Macintosh G3, record oh. a movie of the needed gameplay, then pull just the right frame to illustrate the pro tip. Of course, that's only half the procedure. Getting those screens to look so good on the printed page is an entirely different matter and a secret. So oh, by 2001, they weren't taking Polaroids off the screen anymore. Wow. No. But they're, it's interesting for, yeah, for screenshots, they're, they're recording video and then doing screen grabs of that. And then likely doing color changes on their end for the magazine. Yeah, exactly. Which sometimes, like, I remember that color changing in the magazine made the game look a lot better than the game looked at oh, yeah. when you got That's it. It's interesting. Like, it's really nice looking, contrasty image. And you're like, oh, this game looks really muddy. Yeah. It. Which is On interesting because these days, now that things are captured differently, like people are very particular about like use our screenshot in this format. So if we were to print it on a magazine and fudge all the colors, they might be upset about that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Different times, different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have a, a photo from the PlayStation 2 launch at the Metreon in San Francisco. Wow, I didn't realize the Metreon was even around in 2001. RIP. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the height of like the dot-com boom. Um, okay, in the news, they have news about Oddworld, the Oddworld series shifting from Sony to Microsoft and being an Xbox exclusive, which I think is interesting because the Xbox wasn't even out yet at this time. Yeah. yeah. And then in the news bits, this is good. Uh, Paul Anderson, director of the first Mortal Kombat flick, has agreed to write and direct Resident <laughs> Evil based on Capcom's popular game franchise. Pretty good. We're going uh, to make 11 more of those movies. Yeah, yeah, just so many, so many more. And um, yeah, anyway. Uh, the city of Indianapolis was ordered to hold off on enforcing an ordinance that prohibits children under 18 from playing violent or sexually explicit coin-operated video games without parental consent. <laughs> coin How How would they have enforced that? Uh, how I'm would they have enforced that? Totally. There's so many weird things about that. I know. Under the law, coin-ops featuring graphic violence or sexual content would have to be clearly labeled and at least 10 feet from other games. Whoa. Cool. Space oh, them out. 
Um, so I guess I, I'm trying to think of what era that was. That would have been in the uh, big Buck Hunter era, which has some blood splatter and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and maybe there was some other like later on, like whatever, you know, what's that game called? Carnival or House of the Dead or like whatever those games were. Mm-hmm. Shooter stuff. Yeah. That's really the rule funny. of like the rule of spacing them out 10 feet 10 apart feet. is like when you're. Yeah, that's like when you go into a casino when you're underage and they tell you to look at the floor and it's like, all right. You put them, <laughs> yeah, it's like they're in the back room. Yeah. yeah, like there's they're still there. I, still yeah, there. it's like a kid is like, Mom, what's going on on that screen? I can't quite make it out from 10 feet over here. Well, you can't get any closer. <laughs> it's illegal. Yeah, you can be arrested. Uh, then Sony will begin selling the latest breed of its robot dog, Ibo, by the end of 2000. Remember Ibo? Mm hmm. Not so now. I know, buying game consoles. They cost like $1,500. Yep. What? Yeah, that's $1,500. I mean, they. They they still didn't come up with what what the trademark was around the PS5 launch um, for the little robot friend. I forget what what it's called. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I f- totally forgot that there was a little pet friend trademark for that. Well, what's gonna what's coming of that? That's that, right. That fifteen hundred dollar Ibo, you could probably get a better robot dog for twenty dollars now. <laughs> That's probably true. At, at like oh, at yeah. like TJ Maxx. Except for this chip shortage. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Well, I think that dog's big thing is that it just did backflips, right? And now you like walk through the airport and there's like a million backflipping, you know, toys yeah. littering the yeah. floor. In Game for Labs, they uh, they rate the Interact Shark MX, which is um, a way to to send emails from your Game Boy Color Whoa. device. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's yeah, cool. I looked it up and Craig Harris reviewed it for IGN. <laughs> and he liked Man. it. I would he said it was like a fun novelty. Like, not it, obviously, it's not easier than just sending an email from your computer. But he thought it was like. Is there an antenna? When you're in an emergency and you need to send so an email, you plug it into <laughs> yeah. your you plug it into your landline. Oh come on! Wow. You compose you compose the email on your Game Boy, and then this you it's like a con- cartridge that's connected to this okay. little device, and you plug that into your landline. Okay. Sends your email. Who is it wow. for? I know. Craig Harris. I don't know. Yeah, I don't um, know. I we have a big stash of you know. Uh, games from that era that were reviewed by IGN. I'm going to look through there and see if this is in there. I, yeah, some, some of these weird, weird formats in there. I was like, what is this? You know, and now I'll be able to identify it. Craig Harris did review it. That blurb, by the way, says it came with 30 minutes of airtime and each hour of airtime costs $6 after that to send and receive <laughs> email. <Yeah. laughs> the only annoyance is Fishing. typing with the directional pad and A button. <laughs> oh, is that all? The only annoyance. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So the best-selling video game titles from September. Remember, this is the January issue. So not super useful, but they were mm-hmm. Madden and then NFL 2K, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, Pro Skater 1, Gran Turismo 2, Mario Tennis, Spider-Man, and this is crazy, the Jam Pack Summer 2K demo disc. Whoa. Why, why would the demo disc be included in the sales charts? I don't know. I mean, the craziest thing is you just change a couple of those sequel numbers, and that's a modern list for you right there. And that's a what? Nothing has changed. It's a oh, modern list I mean, of games. It's true. It, it was very casual in 2000. Look at all the casuals. It's just Madden and Tony Hawk <laughs> and racing. And the demo disc. Yeah. Maybe that demo disc was for sale. I mean, PT was a, you know, big hit. So Yeah, I'm the biggest ever. I should probably bring demo discs back. I, I see people, you know, pining for demos and demo discs all the time. Uh, they have a jeers to KB Toy Stores who actually had the gall to charge $329 for the PS2 
And that's if he pre-ordered. So I think it retailed for 299s. They're charging $30 more than MSRP. And that is a little stuffy. Damon, we could do a limited run games type company and just do demo discs. We just license them and put them in cardboard slip cases and uh, ship them to people that don't want them like America Online did. (laughs) I wish you hadn't (laughs) said that on the show because that's too good of an idea. We can cut it or maybe somebody (laughs) listening will be our backer. That's true. That's true. Because I'm not fronting that money. (laughs) (laughs) Only we had a store in which to sell things to customers. (laughs) People would buy demo discs. PlayStation 2 launches in the U.S. Thousands of people lined up on October 26th, hoping to get one of the scant PlayStation 2 consoles. Sony says it shipped 500,000. That sat in closely guarded stores, stockrooms. Lines formed more than 24 hours before the machines went on sale. Paul Crivola, the first person at Sony's PlayStation store at the Metreon in San Francisco, showed up a full 28 hours early. Most retail outlets maintained relatively orderly lines of patient fans, but with most stores getting only about 20 consoles, uh, not all fans went home happy the first day. Sony has said it will ship 100,000 units each week until the end of the year, with another 1.7 million consoles expected on store shelves by March. Good to know we haven't corrected that problem. (laughs) (laughs) So here's one of those just classic late 90s, early 2000 ads. And it's for a Polaroid camera, the Polaroid iZone, that I guess was, you know, it was like a low cost entry level camera, probably for kids and teenagers. And a big feature is that you could upload your cameras to your computer or Mm. upload your photos to your computer. I hate this. <laughs> and it's a picture. It's, it's, I don't know how to describe it for our listeners. It's a, it looks like a kid is eating a professor, but really it's just two different photos. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Come, come, come join us on uh, youtube.com slash IGN games and check this episode out. Oh my gosh. We have a good cameo going on here. Did you <laughs> see the, um, the, the form factor and design of that camera was like, that looked futuristic and cool at one point, which I think is the funniest thing ever. It just it's just crazy looking. Well, it's also it's got purple and orange, which is yeah. when ended up being on the GameCube. That's the GameCube yep, colors. Very big colors at, at the time, I guess. There's an ad for Woody Woodpecker Racing, which is not a game I'm familiar with. I just I wanted to point out I feel like Woody Woodpecker doesn't have the cachet today that he used to. Like, do kids today know who Woody Woodpecker is? I don't Doubt know. it. No, I don't think they did in 2001. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> An ad for Tomb Raider Chronicles, which I, I never played, but it's the fifth game in the series. And it's I was gonna say, which one's yeah. Okay, sorry. I was I couldn't I'm like, what is Chronicles? And it wasn't on PS2, it was only on PS1. So the fifth straight one on PS1. And I looked this up. So it says, in light of Lara's recent disappearance, those closest to her gather together at the Croft Estate on a gray rainy day for a memorial service in her honor. Afterwards, the friends sit quietly together in the study of the Croft Mansion and provide new insights about Lara's past exploits have until now remained a secret so like so the, the whole plot of the game is like a frame story of like flashbacks yeah so like i think in the previous one she, you were supposed to think she might have died so now <laughs> the conceit here is her friends gather to tell stories about lara croft's glory days and the you, the levels are all flashbacks i wonder if all the wow. levels are like cut content from previous tomb raider maybe. games <laughs> maybe it's i just thought that the was best of good. it's just levels from the previous games maybe pretty good they have a whole preview for Half-Life coming to PlayStation 2. And they wrote, oh, oh yeah, 12 CDs for the price of one. Whoa, that just gave me nostalgia <laughs> for something I didn't re- CD remember. CDHQ. The now. Dixie Chicks. Yeah, you got the Dixie Chicks. Santana. Uh, 
Who else? Oh yeah, the Bloodhound Gang, Savage <laughs> Garden, Third Eye Blind. I just want to point out that this is post Napster, so nobody was doing this. <laughs> I don't know. Twelve CDs for the price of one, Sam. <laughs> the soundtracks to Bring It On and Nutty Professor Two. <laughs> the Clumps. <laughs> And I just thought it was interesting. They wrote a whole separate preview for the Dreamcast version of Half-Life. That is weird. Two separate previews. So they've got the 2000 GamePro Editor's Choice Awards. And I guess I I wasn't reading GamePro. Certainly not this time. Every editor had like a a a code name or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've got a lot of uh, virtual tennis in here. Four-Eyed Dragon. Everyone lists their top 10 games and then their biggest disappointment or or something like that. Biggest surprise. Four-Eyed Dragon picks Virtua Tennis, Dan Electro picked uh, Pro Tony Hawk 2, and the best emerging trend was console games with level editors. <laughs> into it. Uh, let's see. Major Mike picked Vagrant Story on PlayStation. Game that should have never happened but did anyway was Resident Evil Survivor. I would really like to go into what an incredible disappointment this game was, but unfortunately, we don't run profanity in the magazine. Ooh. Mm-hmm. No. Dr. Zombie's Game of the Year was Madden. Uh, some of these are just i don't know his biggest disappointment was sony shipping only half a million playstation 2s in time for the launch date sony's only been playing this for over three years now how could this happen <laughs> i can kind of vibe with this i know you go well i was gonna say they should have called this at, at magazine sports pro because all these people play our sports games it's true yeah. vicious sid picks uh tony hawk 2 air hendrix picks virtual tennis miss miss spell Picked Diablo 2. And her silliest game was Samba de Amigo. Silly game. Mm-hmm. Great game. Lamb Chop picked Diablo 2 as well. I was, you know, I read EGM growing up and I couldn't I couldn't get down with like the ridiculousness of GamePro. But like and now in hindsight, I can kind of respect the wholesome wholesomeness that this mag yeah. has going on. Yeah, there was not there were you know, EGM was always trying to be like edgy and there's none of that in here. Uh, I think I would have gotten along with Brother Buzz. His game of the year was Perfect Dark, which is obviously the correct choice. And then his most satisfying moment was playing Super Mario Kart on a handheld system, the Game Boy Advance. Next generation console hardware comes and goes, but the Game Boy abides. The Advance will be backward compatible too. All's well for the millennium. I, if you don't find the nickname Air Hendrix edgy, then I don't know what, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in their Game Boy Advance previews, they have Pokemon Puzzle League and... I think there's some some lazy writing here. The most popular handheld franchise in the world keeps on rolling, this time combining the gotta catch them all hysteria of Pokemon with the ultra addictive gameplay of Tetris. No, 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 no. no I know. No. I know Tetris why. Attack. I know, but they should have known better at, no. by this point. Yeah. But that was not actually a Tetris game. Mm-hmm. Well, we can write the editor. <laughs> uh, this one was written by iBot. I don't even see iBot in their uh, editor's choices. Yeah. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, that is why. <laughs> and they mix Game Boy Color games in with their Game Boy Advance previews. So they have the Dragon's Lair for Game Boy Color um, preview, which was done by Digital Eclipse and is actually pretty impressive. Hmm. I don't remember that. Uh, in their preview for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, they say America's oh, favorite boy. game show goes portable, and you're not going to believe this, but it kicks ass. <laughs> I thought they said no swears. The game, apparently, the Game Boy Color version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Second Edition kicks ass. They gave it a five. They gave it the craziest face they give. They gave it fun factor of five out of five. Oh. Couldn't get any better. 
Who wants to be a millionaire seems really modern for 2001. I don't know why. I want to prepare you guys for this. Um, so an ad, two-page ad for a game based on the animated film Chicken Run, mm-hmm. which I've never seen, but it's the Wallet and Gromit production crew. Oh, right. Uh, so it's two pages. This first page says, Power to the Poultry. And the second page has a quote from IGN.com, <laughs> Chicken Gear Solid. <laughs> Gear Solid. <laughs> Do we find, did you find, can we find that quote? I, I, I didn't Google it, but. <laughs> Chicken Gear Solid, IGN.com. So it, it, it look at the logo too. It's like a total like knockoff of Metal Gear. Is that Metal Gear? I see that as more of yeah. like a Super Nintendo. It's maybe. like Mission Impossible or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think okay. it's supposed to be like Metal Gear. We also well, that's this why is, we have um, that quote. Yeah. By the way, maybe this you is wrote Dan, it. Dan Stapleton. Dan Stapleton would never approve this quote usage today because the IGM review says almost Chicken Gear Solid, but not quite. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> good catch. He definitely wouldn't approve that. Quote. I mean, nice. I guarantee you, back in two thousand one, Ijin wasn't approving <laughs> these quotes. No, yeah. it was uh, yeah. David Smith reviewed the game. Okay, before, before my time. Yeah. Uh, a preview for Evil Dead: Hail to the King. I just want to point out a year over a year ago, another Evil Dead game was revealed, and it's still not out yet. And mm. then at the bottom of this page is an ad. For, I guess, a game called Sheep. Not something I'm familiar with, but it's just four badly rendered CGI sheep. And it says, oh my God, they killed Lenny. Obviously a South Park joke, but I have no, it says nothing else. Yeah. So out of context today, I'm, I just have to guess that this is some game named Sheep. There's no screenshot of it. I have no idea what the deal is. But I guess at the time, all you had to do was make a South Park reference and that would get people interested. And mm-hmm. get them to your website, empire-us.com. Yeah. Okay. Uh, big three three page spread ad. Two words. Shenmue. Ah, you should have let us guess whose eye that was. It would have been like our old uh, our old game. What was that game called? Uh, oh, scope game, game scope, scope. Yeah. And I this here's the 2001 PlayStation Two calendar sponsored by Idos. Oh. So you've got time splitters in there you've got uh soul reaver 2 wait, wait a second i know so it's just yeah it's just this is what we call it sponsored content ladies and gentlemen mm. and then there's just a full page image that just says tomb raider next generation playstation 2 so i guess just a tease for a oh, yeah. playstation 2 version of tomb raider but it's weird. it's just a big red page a big image of lara croft tomb raider next generation but wait a second i thought laura was dead <laughs> exactly exactly She's got those Neo glasses. They reviewed Shenmue. They liked it a lot. Gave it a, you know, a five for graphics and a four for fun factor. Uh, in fun factor, they said Shinmu is a challenging detective adventure. That's about discovery through conversation. The mystery is compelling, even though the action is mild. Once you start, you can't stop playing. Remember Shinmu no, 3? Uh, actually came out. It's no who wants to be a millionaire. On it Game certainly Boy. isn't. Reviews for uh, Samba de Amigo, which they're not crazy about. What? Yeah. Only give it threes. And a two-page spread out for Star Wars Episode One: Battle for Naboo. Anyone play this game? No. I, I remember like a, looking really good. I like watched a friend play it. And then there was like a um that, that Naboo Starfighter was like an unlockable in a in um Rogue Squadron 2, which yeah. is cool. Or, or Rogue Squadron, yeah. I forget which one. I remember that too. Um well this is actually for the Nintendo 64. This is an ad for a 64 game in 2001. Yeah. 
And the copy here is just strange to me. It says, for the queen, for Naboo, for freedom, Safi invasion stormed through 15 plus enormous missions over land, sea, and space as your freedom fighters rally to drive back the droid armies. The people of Naboo are dying. You must do something quickly. Is that like a quote from the movie? Does Queen Amidala yeah. say the people yeah, I think of Naboo she says are dying? That. Yeah, or her, it's otherwise, her, it's her stand-in. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> and then they have the Role Players Realm Pro Reviews. And these are just reviews of RPGs. And I just think it's strange. They already had reviews for all the other systems earlier in the magazine. And now here's reviews for just RPGs, no matter what system they're on. I just thought that was strange. Yeah. Yeah, Breath of Fire 4, which I've never played, but it looks really amazing. Yeah, it does look good. That was for PlayStation. The Disguise of Arcadia, Grandia 2. Ooh. And then they have, they have a whole letter from the editor-in-chief who's named here, Wes Nihei. And it's all about the ESRB and how they take it seriously and how they, they list every game that's in the issue and what its ESRB rating is. And I just, I don't, are they like on the hook? That's kind of what you're talking about, uh, Justin. It, makes, does, it does make it seem a lot more wholesome because I don't think the readers would actually care about this too much. Why like is Wes's letter all the way magazine? back here? Yeah, exactly. Why yeah, is it back right. here? Yeah, it's like your mom's flipping through the magazine that she found in your room, and she's like, wow. Yeah. Right. What is There's this? Some what is this violent images here. What are these fireworks? Yeah. What is this person eating? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but at least they have the ratings. Now, only look at the T, T pages. Yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to look at these M pages. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then they close out with the hot rentals from Blockbuster in January. PlayStation 2, it was Madden, NFL, Tekken Tag Tournament, SXX. This is just the launch games. So there are only like 10 games available anyway. But on PlayStation, it was Driver 2, SmackDown 2, Know Your Role, The World Is Not Enough, Tony Hawk 2, 007 Racing. Ah. <laughs> the top Nintendo 64 rental was Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine. Oh, yeah. And then over on Dreamcast, it's NBA, Tony Hawk 2, and Shinmu. And that's it. That's the issue. Coming next issue, they had Mega Man X5, Banjo-Tooie, Persona 2. And that is the January 2001 issue of Game Pro. That's a good one. I mentioned at the top of the show, we have some very significant anniversaries uh, to cover. The year is 2022 now. That's correct, right? That checks out? Mm-hmm. Checks out. So, Sam, in particular, you know what this means? Some of the greatest arcade games ever made are turning 40 this year. Let's see. Donkey, no, Miss Pac-Man. So, this is just a truncated list. This is not even everything. Yeah. But Hubert. In 1982, we got Burger Time, Dig Ooh. Dug, Donkey Kong Jr., Joust, mm. Jungle Hunt, Kangaroo, Moon Patrol, Miss Pac-Man, Pole Position, Popeye, Hubert, Robotron, Time Pilot, Tron, Xevious, Zaxxon, and Anteater. Yeah. It was like it's was 82 what? like the best year ever for arcades? Yeah, it was. And that's why the crash was so significant the next year, right? There's still good well, arcade games. The crash games was more also. the home the crash was for the home console market. Yeah, but the arcades they went is. away until Street Fighter at one point. Look how know? fast Red was with that burger time B-roll. Yeah, that's NES burger time. <laughs> Look at those hot dogs. <laughs> Look at them go. There's Peter I just Pepper. Can't believe Do the best he can to make his burgers. People talk about 2007 and 2011 and 2018 was great years for games, but don't sleep on 1982. His Man. name is Peter Pepper, and his hat says H on it. <laughs> I have hats that say H on, too. Yeah. Uh, and then there's one game that's turning 50 this year. Oh, uh, my, my favorite game ever, Pong? Pong was out in 1972. Wow. The original. 
I have the 1972 Pong by Syzygy Electronics and Atari upstairs. Yeah. A really nice, nice Pong machine. And uh, I love that game to death. And I also have a Pong clone at the office that uh, we've all played. Yep. I just and saw it. The, it was the Electromechanical Pong. Yeah, we got that Electromechanical Pong. Uh, uh, well, okay. <laughs> Redhead <laughs> Pong B-roll as well. Okay. 50th anniversary is pretty cool for any video game, though. I mean, it's, yep. yeah, it's amazing. Show and tell time. Justin uh, asked for it. Would Justin, you want to go first? Oh, sure. I can go first. I got a new Lego set that I'm oh pretty gosh. excited. I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited about. I don't even know if I can get this bad boy in frame. Oh, ugh. we'll give you. Just, just setting up a, a perfect pratfall right now. <laughs> okay. There, there it is. What is it though? Ninjago. Oh, it's so a big it's not city. Like a, it's not like based on a, a movie or game. No. Well, it's based off Ninjago. Okay. Which I don't care. I don't have any affinity for, or like, you know, there's like a million seasons of like a Ninjago TV show and a movie and stuff, but yeah, yeah. I just like it. Cause I think the design of this set is really, really rad. And it's been like my Lego white whale for quite a while. Oh. And I got a really, really big gift card and decided to treat myself. Mm. It's the eighth biggest by piece count. It's the eighth biggest Lego set ever made. Really? Yeah. Oh. Wow. I bet that box is really heavy. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's this weight, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'll let you That's know. Cool. I'll share. Yeah. Um, I put it together right over there off frame. And so, uh, if it feels stable and stuff, maybe I can pull it over like next week and show how much it's I'm already doing. assembled. No, like once I start assembling it, oh, once then I can pull over. Like it's going to, like, I, I always do, they, they come in these bags, right? And so I'll do yeah. like one bag a night and then I can share, I can share updates. I love how they still have print manuals. It's amazing. Yeah. It comes with three. Uh, are your daughters allowed to help? No. It says there, yeah. It's for only 14-year-olds four, and up. Is that what um, you point to? <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't play with this. It's 14 or they, they help a little, but the sets like this are actually pretty fiddly, and they don't... Um, they, they have their own sets that are more age-appropriate for them. Are there any lights or mechanical operations or electricity in it? No, but you can buy third part. It does have a... It, not a mechanical. It has a manually operated lift elevator. Um, and then you can buy third-party light kits, but it does not come with lights. I've seen those third-party light kits. I didn't realize that was a thing. Somebody just showed me that. I was never into Legos growing up. Just never got into it. But uh, my two-year-old son got some Mega Blocks for Christmas, and so we busted them out. And on the on the packaging, there's like a they show things you could build. And there was a camel, and I was like, I was just looking at the picture, like figured out how to make the camel. And when I was all done, I was like, well, that was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun building this camel. Maybe we'll look into some Legos sometime in the future. You should get start with the Lego bonsai tree. (laughs) Kids love bonsai. (laughs) For Damon, adults love bonsai. That's true. Justin, after you build them, do you just, do you leave them up? Yeah. I just like revel in the accomplishment of like, Hmm. Yeah. You just, you just watch them get dustier and dustier. This thing, by the way, I literally have no idea where this is going to go. I do not have space (laughs) for it. Like the other one, I have like, strategically i'm like okay the pirate ship can go there and the building can go there but this one's so big that I, like i don't have any plan it was pure i was driven by pure animal instinct and impulse damon you may want to start with duplo it's a little bit easier okay. your mind around it and yeah. uh you won't be able to swallow those blocks accidentally okay good definitely can't swallow the mega blocks they're mega no yeah uh okay sam what do you got for us all right hit me red 
There he is. Yeah, it's it's out of focus, but this is the Godzilla pinball machine, so Ooh. I guess it's not that spectacular um, looking at it, but it's strange. And uh, I can tell you about it. It has a uh, little bridge inside of it that breaks and the pinball rolls off the bridge. It has a building that rises up and then it fills with pinballs and then the pinballs lock in it and then it collapses and all the pinballs come out for multiball. Whoa, and awesome. it's got a uh, Mecha cool. Godzilla who you uh, launch yes. a ball up in the air and it sticks on his chest <laughs> and then his power shield comes up around him and then you hit that a bunch, a bunch That's... of cool shit. And then the, um, uh, you, uh, you choose a monster battle. Uh, when you uh, that that's kind of the rules of the game, and then you battle a monster, and you know the shots are the the battle, and has all the footage in it. But some wow. monsters are your friends. So like yeah. Mothra, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. get Mothra on on your team, then like Mothra's the ball save. Where like you know sometimes in games, if you go down the left side, the left mm-hmm. out lane, you, it'll save your ball. So Mothra does that in this game, and the girls come out and they go Mothra, which is great. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, the other cool thing is that you can play it all in Japanese from the start, 100%, like every single call out, graphic, Amazing. everything's in Japanese. And then cool. it has three different soundtracks that it'll go through, but you can also set those. And one of them is uh, <laughs> Blue Oyster Cult's um, Godzilla song from mm-hmm. the 70s. You know that song? It's really good. Yeah, great song. Oh, there goes Tokyo. Go, go, go Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's like hard rocking. <laughs> Boogie. And then uh, there's also like original orchestration and then kind of more contemporary orchestration. So a bunch of like kind of crazy nerdy options. And it's a design by the person who did Jurassic Park, which we've all played because it was in the office for a little while. And Iron Maiden before that, which we all had in the office for a while too. A new designer uh, who's very good and uh, doing good stuff. stuff. I think his name is Brian Eddy. I'm so glad to hear that. It's a uh, cool machine. If I ever have a game room, that's the Mm -hmm. machine I want to get. Actually, I can put it in my garage. Oh, there, there. This is great footage of what I was talking about. I should have uh, asked this to be queued up, but I wanted to be a surprise. There's the little building that collapses and has little floors in it. See that? And it goes up and down and then it drops the. uh, the (laughs) And that's what it looks like when it collapses. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. What good? Those are really good toys. Yeah, they're great. And then the game has kind of just cool cross ramps and that bridge and some other things can divert the dirt, divert the ball. So like from your right flipper, it might come back to your right flipper. And my Oh, and I forgot about that magnet. That magnet's like a smart magnet that'll line up the shot for that upper flipper. It like, it like stops it and then drops it right at the right place. So you can hit a nice shot off that upper flipper. Cool. Just really sweet of it. Um, anyway, I'm doing a, uh, a features breakdown video uh, for IGN. Uh, this game, you know, could have ended up in the office uh, for play, but you know now we're obviously not back in offices or anything, so it won't. Mm-hmm. And we'll get uh, one in the office soon. Maybe cool. this is one we'll buy eventually, though, for the office. Yeah, let's do it. It's fantastic. I approve it. Uh, <laughs> you know, do you have anything to show or tell? I have nothing to show or tell, unfortunately. You can I rewind the prepared. episode. To the have cat. you been? Have you? Been, oh yeah. <laughs> have you been playing or watching anything? Um, I haven't been playing anything actually, um, but I got into uh, Yellow Jackets, which is having its season right finale this weekend. Um, I finished off Dexter New Blood. What was it last weekend uh, when it had its finale? Mm-hmm. So just those two, really. I th- oh. You got to watch Station Eleven. It's so good. Yeah, I keep hearing that actually. I haven't heard of that one, but I I think we're gonna do Yellow Jackets next. We're in the middle of uh, the White Lotus, which is good. Uh-huh. Nice, yeah. I watch White Lotus. It's it's great. I really like it. I only really honestly um, started watching it over the break because it was, you know, we had the extra time for it. And uh, I don't think I would have gotten into it otherwise, but I'm happy that I did. That Christina Ricci? Yep. And her character is great, too. She does a really good job with it. That's cool. 
Um, good, good B-roll again. Uh, Station Eleven yeah. is a really, it's a uh, based on a novel, which I really liked about a um, post-apocalypse in which there's like a traveling musician and Shakespearean troupe in Michigan uh, uh, going from, you know, post-apocalyptic town to another uh, after a great viral plague has killed everybody except for a few people. I don't know what the show's cool. about. That's what the book is about. It's a good premise. Is that the show, Justin? Yeah, they changed some stuff around, but okay. that's the basic. It, they really play up the flu pandemic aspect in the show. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> um, but it's very compelling television. Okay. All right. There's a lot to watch. I finished Cobra Kai season four. I, I liked oh, it. Yeah. A, a weaker, weaker season, but I still liked it a lot. Still really fun. Honestly, I'm so shocked. Like, they completely know what to do with that show and, like, <laughs> what kind of goofs to do. And it, it, yeah. it's still working for me yeah. four seasons later. I'm, I would not have called that, but look at I them know. go. Going into it, I was like, okay, I'm probably about ready to wrap this up. But then by the final yeah, episode, yeah. I was like, okay, bring it on. Give me more. Yeah. Five. Okay. <laughs> I watched it with a, a friend who, who she, she called it. Um, she was talking about how similar it was to soap operas. And she was like, yeah. it was really when the coma happened. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a soap opera. And, and like watching this season with that in mind, I was like, I so enjoyed it. I like I liked it better than last season because I didn't I didn't like the uh, Japan stuff as much last season, but I mm. I did like the uh, deep deep Karate Kid cuts that I had no idea what yeah. they were references to this year. <laughs> I, I know I never no I never saw Karate Kid Part Three, so I yeah. this new character the new guy is new to me. He's pretty yep. cool, still enjoyable. And that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. I suggested oh this goodness. week comes from Brad in Hagerstown, Maryland. Maybe it's Hagerstown, if I pronounced that incorrectly. Let the questioning begin. Maybe we can get it on question 20 again. That was pretty good last week. <laughs> Remember, you're trying to go for fewer than 1,000 questions this year. Yeah, we're oh, going to sure, tally sure. it up by the end of the year. How many fingers do you have, Damon? <laughs> Um, yeah, let's just, let's, could this have been in that issue of, uh, Game Informer? Is that what the issue was? Game, Game Pro. Pro, but no. Game Pro. Okay. Could not have been in it. What was that issue that was, uh, what, something 2001? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was this game released, first released after 2010 or later? Yes. No. <laughs> Is it a console exclusive? Not anymore. Or- Oh, okay. I like how it could have been Duke Nukem Forever and still be, uh, been this game uh, and been in that issue it was, of Game Informer. It was in the Mac. Yeah, there's a weird, um, the way that we phrase that question, there's a weird loophole, isn't there? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right, so not anymore. Uh, was well, okay. was this a Sony game on a Sony system originally? Yes. Okay. Was it originally exclusive to the PS4? Yes, that's five. Was it published by Sony? Yes. But it's not exclusive anymore? That. I mean, I guess it could be. (laughs) That's actually pretty good. I didn't even make that connection. Um, I asked a a dumb question, but it ended up working out. Well... Is because it could be that it's on PC mm-hmm. and that like yeah yeah because I was trying to yeah, remember so how we like particularly Horizon. phrase that question yeah there's not many of those right we might get this fast Days Gone Horizon God of War Uncharted 
God yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, is this, is this, uh, did this get, or is about to get a PC port? Yes. Man. Did you fight freakers in this game? No. That's the name of the zombies in Days Gone. No. <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, is, is there like Greek mythology in this game? No. Does this take okay. place in the future? I think so. That's 10. I think so. <laughs> what? What? Pretty sure. Do you fight robot dinosaurs in this game? No. That's what you, you were going for, right, Sam? Yeah, but also I wanted to get a sense of if it could be like uh, uh, Last of Us or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. We passed. Those, we passed. those get ported to PC? We passed 10, by the way. We're on, you've, you've done 11 yeah. questions so far. We've burned we got through. very overconfident. What a blitz! Yeah. <laughs> um, are the, I, did Last of Us hit PC? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it did. <laughs> um, Uncharted Four did though. Okay, or, okay. Or wait, so we know to. it's not. It's not Days Gone, and it's not Horizon, and it's not God of War. Uh, what other PS4 exclusives made their oh, way oh, over Stranded. to PC? Oh. Oh, good call. It's another one. Which is in the future, a... maybe, right? Is this game right. starring Norman Reedus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Wait. Cool. We're sure it's not PT, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Is it Death Stranding? Is it... it is on Lucky 13. Got an unlucky Good. 13 nice. question. Death Stranding. 2019, PS4, uh, then I think 2020 PC, and now PS5. I, I think it is in the future. I don't know if it's in the future. I, mean, I guess I it would be with the baby technology and stuff like that, right? I couldn't remember if it was supposed to be Earth or it's just some other world. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's supposed well, to be a post-apocalypse, but it's very unclear. Well, it's definitely North America. Like, yeah, it's definitely Earth. Okay. Yeah, you go across um, the entire country for your... For your road trip. Yep. I was wondering what I was going to say if you asked me if it was like, a, like about about genre. <laughs> uh, it's a strand game. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to have to start incorporating that into future twenty questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's a, a a driver horror game or something like that. A courier courier horror game. <laughs> anyway, walking I simulator. I, I think I would play it on PS5. I like. I actually kind of suspect it might be a Justin game, but I never it gave is. it a chance. Oh, have you still not played it? I love it. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, very much a Sam game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the moment, there's a lot of grinding, the rose tinted glasses. You look back um, on your experiences with something, and like, like your memories is mostly focused on like the big story beats, the big mm-hmm. boss battles. So, given that, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was mysterious, yeah, I, like when when mm-hmm. first playing through it, and there was like like um, things to figure out. And uh, I, Tina and I played all to, about the same time. We talked about it a lot, and I just had a good time playing it. Like I thought it was yeah. really good. We and were some great performances too, honestly, and I, yeah. certainly unique. Certainly, and, and there's unique. hard parts that are like you get you mm-hmm. get through them eventually. I like that, mm-hmm. and it has the thing I was just talking about last week, where the traversal of of ground and exploration gets easier and easier but it's, it gets interesting and complicated. And you yeah, know. it's like a building game and a stealth game. And those moments work mm-hmm. really well too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that building part that like, it, there's, there's this thing that mobile game does where you're playing a single player game, but you're all like it, every player around the world needs to do a billion damage to this boss. Right. Oh, and yeah. So you log in mm-hmm. and then you do like a thousand damage and then that's your, you're, you're contributing. And like, 
this is the only like triple A video game version of that I can think of, of like rebuilding these roads and networks yep. and stuff like that. Like that part of it is really interesting to me. Yeah. And that's actually what makes it a strand game. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hate it. I put a few hours into it, but then Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order came out and that mm-hmm. immediately grabbed me and I played through all that. And then I just never went back to Death Stranding. So mm-hmm. maybe someday. Anyway, thank you for the suggestion, Brad in Maryland. Uh, viewers and listeners, if you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Red working behind the scenes, being so fast with that B-roll. It's lightning fast. Very, very impressive. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop around. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement. 
as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.